everyone, and welcome to the November 19th, 2021 episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. I'm your host, Greg Layson, the digital and mobile editor here at Automotive News Canada. Today on the show, we hear from the head of one of the world's biggest automotive suppliers. Magna CEO Swami Kotagiri recently sat down with former Automotive News Canada Toronto Bureau Chief John Irwin, now with sibling publication Automotive News in Detroit. They discussed how Magna has managed the chip and COVID crises, talked about contract assembly, and of course, Magna's failed bid to buy Vianeer. And John also got Swami to predict when we might no longer need drivers behind the wheels of vehicles. What follows is an edited version of that one-on-one interview on this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. They started by discussing what Swami called the strength of Magna and what navigating the last 18 to 20 months through the chip crisis, through COVID-19 and more has been like for the supplier. How we have gone through this, whether it was COVID, whether it was the supply chain issues, whether it was the transition of a uh, leadership in the company, uh, the way we have been able to handle all of this in the conditions that the industry and the world is going through, I think she talked about the strength of Magna, right? Uh, the strength of the management team, uh, the planning process, uh, the strength of a balance sheet, um, the agility of the company where we are very proud of in terms of the entrepreneurial spirit. I think that's what got us through. So if you look back, uh, sit back a little bit and look at it, how we handled this, uh, last year or last 18 months has been phenomenal and we're proud of it. John asked specifically about the chip shortage, how long Swami thinks it will last and how it might eventually be solved. If you look at the overall challenge that has been surfaced in the last year, year and a half of the chip shortage is really fundamentally a question of uh, supply chain, the complexity that we deal with and the different tiers that we have especially in the chip industry. Um, the whole industry has learned from this, looking at how, not just at the next six weeks or three months, but how do we provide visibility uh, to the, the semiconductor industry from an automotive perspective for the next 12 months, 18 months, even maybe more, so there could be better planning and the elasticity of the supply demand is not strained as it was now. Um, I think that is the long-term learning. Uh, given what we've gone through and in terms of the capacity that's being added and uh, a change in thinking process both from automotive industry as well as the semiconductor industry, uh, for it to really take effect, I think we're looking at the next 8, 10, 12 months. Uh, the expectation as we stand here today with the facts that we know looks like there will be some sense of normalcy, you know, like the mid to third quarter of next year. Uh, you know, in some cases to get back to a full, um, you know, cadence of the, uh, the production and how it needs to work might be even a little bit longer. But the expectation is the mid next year to the third quarter of next year we'll kind of see some sense of normalcy. John asked how the chip crisis and COVID-19 might change how Magna will go about building parts and assembling vehicles on contract once the crises pass. Here's what Swami had to say. Definitely there are lessons learned, uh, but I wouldn't say it would be, uh, you know, drastically different. And what I mean by that is, uh, 
long term across Magna, and that is being championed uh, at, at the Magna level. Uh, but in the true sense of our decentralized culture, the different divisions or groups continue to work through their product lines and what their requirements are. Uh, we are able to look at it from a bird's eye view and you know manage the ebbs and flows uh, so that we, we can get the leverage and strength of the, call it the bigger magna. Uh, from a vehicle manufacturing perspective, or for that matter, any of the subgroup, we continue to work with our OEM customers, but we also continue to work with the uh, supplier partners. I think if there is one thing you know that comes out very prominently, it is to have that strategic relationship and sharing of the roadmaps so that as we work through, you know, at an early phase, even in the design, how do you make sure you have the flexibility uh, in the design itself uh, that you are not, you know, basing everything on, you know, one product or one chip. Uh, I think that's going to be paramount across the industry to see how we can uh, reduce the bottlenecks. Uh, beyond that, I think, you know, it's not substantially different than what we were doing uh, in our management of the supply chain or logistics or, you know, the design philosophy. But Swami said the challenges don't just stop at the chip shortage, COVID and the like. We are in a transformative time in the industry. And as the industry is changing, the business models are changing, new entrants are coming. The whole concept of mobility is taking shape. And with the breadth of the magna capabilities and what we are able to do, uh, we are focused on the new business models. And uh, I think our tagline says it all. It says forward for all. And if you look at our vision statement, it talks about advancing mobility for everybody and everything. Uh, that's kind of our focus. That's where we are. And I'm, uh, I believe we are gaining great tax, traction. In spite of the challenges, we have been continuing to plow forward. John and Swami also discussed the potential for Magna to add more contract assembly, especially when it comes to building electric vehicles. The way I look at it, the full vehicle manufacturing or assembly is the tip of the spear for us. And that's visible very prominently, but there is a lot that goes on behind it and there is a lot of value that we can add behind it. And let me explain a little bit more what I mean by that. Uh, it's not just vehicle assembly. Uh, it's the integration knowledge and the full vehicle engineering capability that is the first differentiator that Magna has, right? It's not just assembling to a direction or assembling to a print that somebody already has. That's important, but that's only one thing. To be able to work as a partner with, you know, decades of experience and millions of vehicles that have been put together in our facility, we bring something to the table uh, what are the normal pitfalls? Uh, how could we look at, you know, whether it's manufacturing or different systems differently uh, is the second aspect. Uh, as the entire team that deals with full vehicle design and integration uh, brings all of this together, 
it can also leverage the deep system experience that we have in other groups of MAGA. If you want to get to the nuts and bolts and the details in a powertrain or an ADAS system or in feeding or body and exterior structures, mirrors, closure mechanisms, you know, they have a whole army of experts they could, they could leverage, right? So if somebody comes to us with a, a vision, a specification of what they want to achieve, we can not only, you know, tell them how to manufacture the vehicle and engineer, but we can give them different options. We can provide synergies and economies of scale with existing platforms that we might already have uh, that they can still customize to their need, but they don't have to do an entire remelt and repore, right? If you're in an EV vehicle, as a customer, I don't think you really care what motor is in it. You're looking at the uh, feature functionality that is, you know, surprise and delight from your perspective, right? As far as you're able to customize that to your needs, your brand, but leverage the platform that has been validated to a large extent at the baseline, I think it brings a lot of capital efficiency to the market, right? And it's good for all of, uh, you know, all of the parties involved. I think that is the strength of Magna. John also talked to Swami about Magna's failed attempt to buy Swedish supplier Vianir. Swami explains how Qualcomm ended up swooping in and purchasing Vianir, which specializes in advanced driver assistance systems, or ADAS for short. One of the key pillars of the strategy that I mentioned before was to uh, focus and deploy capital in a very pragmatic way to focus on the high growth areas and the megatrend areas. ADAS uh, happens to be one of them, and we very clearly mentioned that. We have a really good business in terms of having the sensor suite, whether it be the cameras, the radar, the LiDAR, the domain controllers, and the software capability. Um, and, and we talk about it. And we always said that if there is an opportunity to augment scale, geographic footprint, or the customer base, we'll do what is necessary within the realm of the financial hurdles that make sense for us, right? Um, so the VNR acquisition initiative was following that rationale to say, we have a great foundation, we have a great business. By doing this, it gives us scale. Um, it complemented the geographic footprint. Uh, and we put a value what made sense to us. Obviously, I cannot comment on, and obviously the value has a different sense for us than it might for others. But if you look into the history of Magna, we have always talked about financial discipline and what fits our strategy. So when we looked at, from our viewpoint, uh, what we put on the table made sense, and we did not feel it was prudent for us uh, to chase uh, based, just based on price. And as part of a important piece of the strategy, I think um, you can very well assume that it's never binary to say it's one path or nothing, right? We are very confident of the business that we have. We continue to win business and 
we continue to leverage the core platform that we have developed and there is a lot more, you know, in the pipeline that we talked about. And doesn't mean that we stop, we continue to look at alternatives um, for organic investment to take the next step. And we'll continue to look at inorganic um, in whatever shape or form they come. Uh, like I said, that caters to the fundamental strategy of augmenting uh, either technology or footprint or just the scale. John asked Swami how long humans will remain in the driver's seat before autonomous vehicles are available to the masses and what it means for Magna. Here's what Swami thinks. We said uh, that there is going to be significant proliferation and advancement in the driver assist systems. Uh, when I say that driver assist systems, we still have the driver in the seat, right? But uh, the feature functionality makes driving more pleasurable, more enjoyable, more safe. Uh, that, that is a key focus, and I think that we are seeing in the market uh, it's going to be a substantial growth in that, and that's where we are focused. And we see uh, in the 15 20% CAGR rate for the next three years, and even beyond that, we are seeing a 15-plus uh, percent CAGR rate. So that's one focus area. To the second part of the question, I come from a technology background, so I, I never underestimate what technology can do. But if you look at the landscape of what we have today, um, a full autonomous driving with no driver at all uh, seems some ways away. And seeing some ways away, again, has to be defined to say, when I talk about geofenced areas and specific conditions and so on, uh, with a different business model, where you're not looking for a full stack in the same economics as you have in the driver assist system today, right? It could be different economics, different architecture, geofenced areas. Yeah, you'll see some of that for sure. Uh, but when you're talking about high penetration, significant use with no boundary conditions of driving, I think I, I would venture to say again, given the tech today uh, that's out there, at least for, for this decade, right? Beyond that, you know, it will continue to progress. So that's the reason why we are so focused on the L2 class, which is the really, really advanced driver assist features. My thanks to John Irwin for sharing his interview and to Swami Kotagiri for taking the time to sit down with John. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, have a suggestion, or simply want to comment, email me at glayson at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play, or on our website. Just click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. That does it for this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody. Thank you.